welcome to everyone tonight. Thank you for being here on this Mother's Day evening. To those of you mothers that were not here this morning, I honor you. I hope you have had an enjoyable day. We honor you as for who you are and all that you do. And uh, if you're a guest this evening, we welcome you. If you're watching us online, we welcome you. And uh, it's good to have a brother-in-law and sister-in-law, brother and sister Strite, um, here. They didn't come to see any of us, but that's okay. We understand how that works. We're the you know, we're secondary. I get that. One day I'll understand that a little better. That's the first time in all these months I've ever, and it'll be the last one for a while. So, what happened to the music? Just stopped. What happened? Then it got a little more intense. I don't understand. <laughs> Praise God. I, I, I feel like, and hopefully every time I come to minister, it's my turn to minister, this is the case. But I, I really believe and hope, trust that I have a word from the Lord for somebody tonight. Hopefully more than one somebody. But um, just for a couple of days here, this has been on my heart. and So here we go. John chapter 21, beginning with verse number 1, John 21 and 1. After these things, these things being some pretty momentous things, including the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They, those disciples that were with him, say, We also go with thee. They went forth and immediately, they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. I want to preach to you for a little bit tonight on this subject, the danger of a dilemma. The danger of a dilemma. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence with brothers and sisters of like precious faith tonight. Thank you for this day. Again, Lord, I know there are those that today has not been the best of days. It's a challenging day for a ver variety of reasons. And I, I trust and pray that your grace has worked to empower and strengthen those. And for those that have had an enjoyable day, I thank you for that as well. God, we're not here tonight just to punch the clock and do the obligatory church attendance. But we're here as we've already done, to encounter your presence, to fellowship with you, to lift up and exalt your name, and yes, to give you the opportunity to minister and speak to us. And I pray that you would do that tonight. 
Lord, I don't want to just preach a sermon. I don't want to just fill time with words, but I want to be a conduit through which you can speak. I trust you for your anointing tonight and depend on you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The disciples have experienced a number of things. Again, most recently prior to these verses, the climax really to all of it, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. There's some interesting terminology in verse number one that it seems to indicate a shift in the disciples' interaction with Jesus. It seems as though pre-death, burial, and resurrection, they were, they were with him like all the time. They were together all the time. They were constantly going and doing, and they were hearing, receiving, learning, being trained and equipped. They, they, they seemed to have spent, it appears spent, it seems to be that they, they spent all of their time together. But again, verse number one implies that something changed after the resurrection because it says he showed himself Again, to the disciples, commentaries say, if you were to go through each one of them, that this is the seventh time that he showed himself to them. So it appears as though there was not the same daily interaction and involvement with him. And, and so it seems as though they find themselves in a bit of a different place. Pre-crucifixion, he's pouring into them. They're, they're going, they're doing, they're hearing, they're being equipped and trained. And, but now, now it is transitioning to this new phase where Jesus is stepping off the scene in the flesh. And their roles and responsibilities are, are being elevated. And so they are, they are in this in-between time. They're, they're in a dilemma, if you will. A dilemma, I know most of you, the adults at least, you got a basic idea of what a dilemma is, but, but just to kind of get us on the same page, the Oxford Dictionary says that a dilemma, it is a situation in which difficult choice has, in which a difficult choice has to be made between two or more alternatives, especially equally undesirable ones. A dilemma is also a difficult situation or problem. It's an uncertain place. It's, it's an uncomfortable place. It can be an in-between place, which in, in, in essence is what it was for the disciples. It's, a, it's an in-between place of we've been hearing all of this stuff. He's told us about what he's going to do. He's told us about the future. He, he told us he was going to die and rise from the dead and we've seen that but now what's next what do we do next where do we go from here what what is our next move and uh, I, I will tell you that I, and, and just some things 
in the not too distant past have caused me to come to the conclusion there there are some things that like this like these verses that I've read to you in scripture that I I think there there could possibly be different takes on it and I say that because in some of my study of of these verses there are there are some scholars that say that what Peter said and what he did was a really wonderful positive thing but I I believe there's another side to it and that's the side that I'm here to preach to you tonight I believe that there was this uncertainty that Peter had and and part of what it was was we can't just be still and do nothing. We got to do something. And so in this dilemma that Peter and the disciples find themselves in, when they decide to do something, they decide to go back to what they were comfortable with. They, they went back to their default. They went back to the place where, where they, they were in control. They knew how to be in control. They, they knew what to do. Part of the reason I think that's, I believe that's the take on these, on these verses is because in, in, in Luke chapter 5, it tells us that they left it all. I mean, they left it all to follow Jesus. The Message Bible says it this way in Luke 5 and 11. They pulled their boats up on the beach, left them, nets and all, and followed Him. The implication is they didn't didn't put their stuff away. They didn't fold the nets up to make sure they got... They didn't make sure the boats were where they needed to be. They got to the shore. He called them. They left it all. They forsook it all. And they followed Him. But now they find themselves in this place of uncertainty. And Peter speaks up and says, I'm going fishing. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to do next. I don't really know where to go from here. I, I, don't want, I don't know what to do right now. So I'm going to go back to where I'm comfortable. The problem is if we're not careful, it's in our dilemmas that we create some of the biggest problems of our lives. Because when we get in our dilemmas and we have this feeling that we need to do something, we begin to try to figure out on our own what to do because we got to do something. The problem is if we're not careful, the thing that's easy for us to revert to is the thing that we're used to. I want to go back to that place where I feel comfortable. I want to go back to where I feel secure. The problem is you can't get to the next place God is taking you by going back to what makes you comfortable. You can't enter into the next season, the next phase, by by going back to what you used to do. There's some some examples in Scripture that, and I'm not trying to be the Monday morning quarterback here that just critiques everybody's choices and decisions because we can go through Bible character after Bible character and point fingers at them for how they messed up and you and I would have probably done the exact same thing. 
So please hear me. I'm trying to use an example, but I'm not trying to say I would have done it better or differently. But I I do think it's an example. Abraham gets this promise. This this I mean, when he gets the promise, it's already seems pretty impossible. Seventy-five years old, he has no children. His wife is barren, and and the Lord says, "I'm gonna. I'm not just gonna make you a father." I'm going to make you the father of many. That's at 75. And as you know, if you know the story, he doesn't even do it until 25 years later. But, But there was a dilemma that Abraham and Isaac, or excuse me, Abraham and Sarah faced. We find that dilemma in Genesis chapter 16 and verse number 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto thy maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife and he went in unto Hagar and she conceived and when she saw that she had conceived her mistress was despised in her eyes. The moment what Sarah said Abraham ought to do happened, Sarah's now mad. It appears as though Abraham and Sarah believed The promise. They believe what God said, but the problem was they find themselves in this dilemma. We're not getting any younger. We're already old to begin with in light of this promise, and and we're not getting any younger, so maybe we need to do something about it. We're in this in-between place. We're in the in-between of the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. And we don't know exactly what to do, so let's do something. For Peter, it was going back to what he was comfortable doing. For Abraham and Sarah, it was coming up with a plan, with a way. I can promise you. Whatever way you think you've come up with to help God out. Kind of like Sarah. The moment you execute the plan, it all changes. Because if God has a promise, God has a plan. If God gave you a word, God has the way that that word is going to be fulfilled. But I can guarantee you, time and time again, in between the word and the fulfillment, there's going to be some dilemmas. Sometimes what we want to go back to is not the things we were used to doing, it's just that good feeling. I've been, I've been more, I feel like I've been more transparent than ever in the last couple, just couple of weeks, so I'll keep the streak going tonight. There's been a few times in the last couple of weeks, Brother Middleton, I thought, man, we could just go back to some of those services with Brother Herring. Let's go back to what God was. Let's go back. 
not trusting that we may feel like we're in this unknown place. He's, he, he died. He, he, he was buried. He rose again. We've, we've got these promises of what's coming. He said He's going to pour out His Spirit. There, there's some good things that are coming, but right now, there's nothing happening. Right now we're not seeing it. Right now we're not feeling it. Right now we're, we're struggling a little bit with some faith and confidence. So if we're not careful, what we will do is go back. I, I, I believe in essence, if you look at the story of David and his mistake with Bathsheba, what you find is David was in a dilemma. It was in a dilemma because it, the scripture says in First Kings nineteen and, or excuse me, Second Samuel eleven and one, it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle, kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. David, if you'd have been where you were supposed to be, if you'd have been doing what you were supposed to be doing, Sometimes you don't need a week of fasting and prayer. You just need to do what you're supposed to be doing. Because there's a chance if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you won't be doing what you shouldn't be doing. I don't know where my wife found it, but she, I don't know, I don't know how she came across, but she came across this comedian the other night, and uh, he, he had some, he was very clean and had some really funny stuff. But he made a point, and I'm not trying to be insensitive here, but he, he, he made a point. He said, you know, back in my day, bullying happened in person. What people did to you. He, I won't give you the examples that he gave. He said, but nowadays they've got their cyberbullying. Cyberbullying. And, and when he said that, the thought hit me. If you're being cyber bullied, turn off the device. Just turn off the device. If, if it's happening on Facebook, get off Facebook. I mean, I know that's, I know that's powerful stuff right there. That's why Scripture says, if you don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, quit sitting around worrying about not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. If you don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, get focused on fulfilling what the Spirit wants you to do. If you don't want to get caught up in what the flesh wants you to do, find out what God is wanting you to do. problem is we get in these dilemmas and we decide to do something. Too often the decisions we make 
in our dilemma is not the right decision. Sometimes the answer is there is something you should be doing, but you need to find out what He says you should be doing. Not just doing something because you feel the need to do something. I wonder if perhaps when Elisha had his experience with the prophet Elijah. Elisha comes by and throws his mantle on on Elisha. And Elisha stops what he's doing and he tells the the prophet that he's going to come with him. He's going to follow him. And the Bible says this in 1 Kings 19 and 19. Or verse 20, excuse 1 Kings 19, 20. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? Now watch this. Watch what Elisha does. He returned back from him. He took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. I wonder whether it was consciously or subconsciously, I wonder if Elisha did what he did because maybe he knew Maybe he had an idea that if I choose to go after Elijah, it's not always going to be great. It's not always going to go as wonderfully as I would like it to go. If I decide to follow after Elijah, there's going to be some challenging days ahead. So before I decide to go after him, I'm going to get rid of everything that there is that I might be comfortable going back to. So in those moments I find myself in a dilemma and I really am not too sure what to do. At least in that moment I won't be able to go backwards. I'm going to have to keep going forward. Because I can tell you tonight, I don't think the solution to your dilemma is to ever go back. Paul said it like this, Forgetting those things which are behind me, I press towards the mark. I know we spend a lot of time preaching and teaching and talking about forgetting about the bad things in the past. But I'm here to tell you tonight, we've also got to forget about the good things. Because sometimes we can get stuck on the good old days and how things used to be and the way things used to happen. And instead of pressing forward to what's ahead, we're always being pulled to go back to what's behind, whether it's good or bad. So if I'm having trouble going forward, if I'm in a dilemma and don't know how to go forward, at least what I need to do is what the Apostle Paul said wherefore take unto you Ephesians 6.13 wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand therefore 
When you've done everything you know to do and you're in a dilemma, you're in that in-between time and I'm not really sure what to do next. I'm not really sure how to get forward. I know God's promised me some things. I know I got a word that it's not always going to be like this. I, I know I got a word on how God's going to use me. And I know I got a word on what God's going to do through me. But I'm in this in-between place of what He's done and what He's going to do. And if I'm not careful in that moment, I'm just going to go back to what I know I can do. But in those moments, if nothing else, you've just got to make up your mind. I'm just going to stand. I may not be going forward right now I may not be making any progress right now but at the very least I'm going to stand my ground there's one place in which the Lord told Moses stand still and see the salvation of the Lord in Psalms 46 and And 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Be what? I got to do something. Got to be doing something. No, be still. Be still and know. Don't be still and hope. Don't be still and wish. Be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Listen to the way the Passion Translation says that word, that verse. Surrender your anxiety. That's an interesting phrase. I've heard I, this, is not a, this, is not a, this is not intended to be a criticism and And a a negative statement, please hear me, please hear me. I have never in all my years of ministry, I have never heard of more people in the church battling anxiety than I've heard over the last several months and years. And, 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 you know, I think we can we can sort of point fingers to some degree at covid the bottom line is all COVID did was reveal. COVID just revealed the weaknesses, the, the insecurities. That's not, that, that's not the problem. But, but the Passion Translation, he says, Surrender your anxiety, be still, and realize that I am God. I know you've done some stuff in the past. I know you've done some great things. I, we've seen you move. I've seen you move. You move the mountain. And I believe I'll see you do it again. But the problem is I'm stuck between what I've seen you do and what I'm going to see you do again. The problem is for transition, there's always a space where you don't have a hold of what you had, but you have yet to fully grasp what you're getting. Y'all sit there and stare at me 
for the for the I don't know how many how many a time in the last several weeks I've been so preached to me. <laughs> I didn't mean that as a slur. You sit there and stare at me. I was trying to get the point out, and it was slow. You've got to let go before you can grasp a hold of what's coming. God always makes sure there's just enough. Sometimes it's more than others. But there's always just enough space between what you had and what He's going to give you that there's a moment where you've got nothing. We like to be able to hold on to what we had because if I don't get this and what I'm expecting, at least I still have this. But if you're going to get this, you've got to forget. You've got to let go of what is behind and you've got to press to the mark. And if you don't know what to do, if you don't know where to go, then at least make up your mind. I'm going to stand still because if I'll stand still, I will see the salvation of the Lord. If I'll stand still, I'm going to find out He really is God. Yeah, I feel like y'all are all settled in for a normal hour plus message. That's it. Somebody join with me tonight. Let's agree together. I might be in a dilemma. I'm in this unknown, uncertain place. I'm in this place of turmoil but between what I believe is coming and the security of what I've experienced and I've known. But I also know what God has said. I know that a couple of months ago, Brother Herring was saying it's time. And let's just be real honest right now. It doesn't necessarily, we were dancing and shouting a couple of months ago it was time. But, but we're in the, we're in the dilemma. But if we will make up our minds, I may not be able to grasp, Paul said, I'm going to apprehend. I'm going to get a hold of what I was gotten a hold of for. He said, I'm going to apprehend what I was apprehended for. What he's saying was, something got a hold of me. Now I'm going to go after what got a hold of me. But if I can't seem to get a hold of it right now, they call it a goal line stance. That's the point at which the defense has got their backs pinned against the goal line. It's first and goal on the one yard line and there's the goal. And all you can do is just hold your ground. I know we all want to be constantly moving forward. We all want to be constantly progressing. But I've lived long enough now. <laughs> I once was young and now I'm older. Er, 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 er. If I live to be as old as my grandmother, I'm going to still be saying older. 
I've lived long enough to know that sometimes the victory is not gaining new ground. Sometimes the victory isn't that you've taken another mountain. Somebody hear me right now, because I think if somebody will hear me in the Holy Ghost, there'll be a load that'll just lift off you right now. Sometimes the victory, sometimes the responsibility is not taking the mountain. Sometimes the victory is just simply not giving up ground. Having done all to stand, stand. I want to go forward. I want to take new territory. But if I can't do it right now, I'm at least not going back to what I'm comfortable with. I'm not going back to where I know how to do it. I'm going to stay here because God said. If you're here tonight in whatever aspect, whatever way this message you feel like it applies to you would you just I want to invite you just to make your way to this altar right now and I want you just to tell the Lord ask the Lord whatever specific way whichever way but but God I'm in a dilemma right now again I'm, I'm not trying to be critical of Peter so please hear the way I'm trying to help you with this but but God I don't want to do what Peter did just go back to what I'm comfortable with I don't want my response to my dilemma to be, I I just go back to what I was used to. I've got a comfort zone, and so I'm just going to go back there because that's, that's what feels good. That's what feels secure. I'm in this dilemma, God. I've got a word. I've got a, I've got a dream. I've got a vision. I've got a promise. You've told me some things about my future. You've told me some things you're going to do in me and you're going to do through me. And I seem to be stuck in this in-between place right now. But God, if nothing else, I'm just going to stand still. I'm just going to stand still and see that you're God. Not going to come up with the brainstorm on my own of what to do, of how to solve it. I, I'm not going to rely upon my ingenuity to fix it, God. Whatever you say, do, that's what I'm going to do. However you say, move, that's how I'm going to move. Whenever you say, move, that's when I'm going to move. And if you're not saying anything, I'm just going to stand still. not going to take matters into my own hands not going to try to solve it my own way in the name of Jesus if you don't need if you're not responding for yourself right now would you would you be sensitive to the holy ghost and let the lord use you to minister to somebody else on oh, there's, there's a in the name of Jesus Come on, I know you feel like you're in an in-between place. I know you feel like you're in an uncomfortable place. I know it's an unknown place. 
But if it's the place he's led you to, if he's ordered your steps to get you there, he's going to order, order your steps to get you out. If he's ordered your steps that have brought you to the dilemma, he's going to order your steps to bring you out of it. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Lord, help somebody surrender their anxiety to you right now. Help somebody release their anxiety to you right now. And and just be still and know that you are God. I want to go forward. I want to gain new ground. But if that's not happening right now, I'm at least just going to stand still. I'm going to watch you work. I'm going to watch you work, God. You've got it under control. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Elamando robo se yalarabahayan. 